Hi, everybody. Once again, it's time for the program that has pretty much nothing when it comes to commercials, when it comes to jingles, when it comes to music. And we definitely do not have any form of agenda. It is no agenda from an uh, undisclosed location in a hotel room. I'm Adam Curry. And I'm John C. Dvorak in uh, the same old, same old place, Northern California, where we've been having a lot of blustery weather. It's actually been kind of... uh, Amazing! I could not believe how big those raindrops were on uh, on Friday. They were they were like the size of marbles. It was unbelievable. Yeah, it rained again. Uh, they're, they're they're wrong on the timing, but it's been raining a lot. We had something like six inches of rain, and uh, it rained again last night, and because there was a second storm coming through, and I think that one cleared out because it hasn't been raining. From about nine o'clock on, it stopped, and then, uh, but it still looks crappy out. So I, spe- I suspect it'll rain again. <laughs> and the best thing was the the traffic on uh, Friday evening. There were people uh, actually coming back to the office, saying, "You know, I'm just going to wait for another hour. I'm going to get some work done because it, the traffic was not moving." You know, we're on Second Street with the office in uh, in the city, and it was just it was it was bumper to bumper. Nothing was moving. What is it with that? Why does rain? cause that i mean is it well actually actually that i knew that friday was actually going to be a good commute day if you had your timing right because usually a lot of people don't go in on a rain, on a day where it's going to be that stormy and, and they didn't and so it was easy to get to the city but then we had some meetings and at 2 30 the meeting was canceled for various reasons and i took that as an opportunity to take off because i knew it was going to be a mess and uh, i got through it just in time, around 2.30, I snuck across the bridge, but it was already flooding. The tunnel was, like, flooding. What, which, so which, had, which tunnel? There's a tunnel? Yeah, there's a tunnel on, these, on the San Francisco Bay Bridge, right in the middle where the island is. And, oh, uh, uh, Buena, Buena Yerba, whatever Yerba it is. Buena, Yerba Buena, used yeah. to be called Goat, Goat Island. <laughs> I actually, I, um, actually um, when Patricia was uh, at the condo, uh, what was that, uh, like in the summer, uh, we took a drive uh, across the bridge, and we, and we actually we, uh, we took that exit to go see what it was. <laughs> it was uh, pretty uninteresting, actually. What, Goat Island? Yeah, there's not a lot going on there. Well, no, but it's hooked to Treasure Island, which is kind of interesting if you can get in there. Anyway, so, um, yeah, so the, but that, that tunnel, especially in the lower deck, starts to flood when you have a lot of real problems because of its angles. Right, of course. So water collects, water collects at the bottom. Right, 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 right. Yeah, it collects at the bottom. And so it was flooding. I'm thinking, wow, this is going to be a horrible commute around 5 o'clock when the not because of the more people coming across, but because just this thing is going to just stop everyone. Okay, so that's what that's what causes it. Yeah, because you can't just go down that. You know, normally I guess you go down there like forty, fifty miles an hour. If you do that, then you'd pretty much you know find your face against the windshield. I guess when you hit that that puddle <laughs> at the bottom, right? It would just like slow you down in a heartbeat. And it wasn't the only puddle. And now, but there was these big these big sheets of water coming down from the upper deck, which happens when it's really raining, and uh, they hit you. It's just like you're getting hit by. It's like it's you just get hammered with a sh- with just a wall of water every time you come across one of these. It's like a little break in the bridge where they you know where the water falls through mm-hmm. and it's just like whack you get hit really hard and you can't <laughs> see for a few seconds and then the windshield wipers finally get rid of it so it, yeah i it was a it was uh i knew it was going to be bad so unfortunately i can't uh, i can't play the you know, i'm on, on my mobile setup and i still haven't figured out how to play stuff so that you can actually hear it I'm, I'm working on that but we got a lot of interesting feedback you know a lot of people really enjoyed going through your notes john 
that's that really that tickled too. people. Yeah, they're like that was funny. That was you know do that more often. Did you take any notes? I you know I uh, I have more. I don't have to. I have <laughs> I. <laughs> I have notes. You know, all I have to do is like lift up one sheet of paper here on the desk. <laughs> More and than enough notes. notes. Yeah. I got notes for years. Uh, <laughs> and lots of book titles. I mean, you know, I, I'm a bestseller. And I was thinking of doing a book title book. You know, I said if you do a book title. Right, then you don't have to uh, write it. You don't have to write it. You just write the title. So I wrote this title, A, a Book of Book Titles. And I realized that as soon as I came up with that, I don't have to write that book either. So That uh, sounds a lot like um, a friend of mine who did a coffee table book about coffee table books, which I thought was a pretty genius idea. Which was also, by the way, a Seinfeld episode. You're kidding me. No. Really? It exists. Yeah. The book, did, did the book, how long ago was that? Did the book exist before they did that? It was one of the Seinfeld episodes in the middle of the series, and, and Kramer had come up with this idea to do a, a, a coffee table book that was about coffee tables and was actually a coffee a- table itself. It had little <laughs> legs on it. <laughs> Fantastic. I missed that episode. That's cool. Yeah, it was actually quite humorous because there's a lot of lead into it because, you know, Elaine thought it was a stupid idea, but then he bumped into her, her boss who thought it was a great idea and, and excoriated her for not coming up with ideas like this, you know, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. So anyway. So we, so we bumped into each other on the street earlier uh, in the week. Uh, actually, it was, uh, it was Friday because initially we thought we would do the show on Friday and then Saturday didn't work out. Now, of course, it's, uh, it's Sunday. And um, it, it was, it was kind of weird because I was coming around the corner um, walking up Second Street, and it was raining, and I had my uh, like my London portable, uh, you know, like three pound uh, uh, umbrella, and I'm walking up, and I'm like, look at this guy with this, look at the size of that fucking red umbrella he's he's got, <laughs> and it was you. I'm like, <laughs> and and he's like, hey man, neoliberalism. That's what we're going to talk about. Well, let's talk about the umbrella. Okay. What is that? So What's I, up with that? That's I a have huge a lot of umbrella. Umbrellas. I have the little pop-up, the bumper shoot, the little dinky one that you had, which is useless in a rain. No, no, no. Like Hold that. on a second. Now, this is, this. I carry this in my, you know, my bag, which of course is in my portable office. I carry that all the time uh, because, you know, being in London, uh, you, yeah. you just have to be prepared. So it is, it is good for... You know, for the portability, and it. it, it I have. It I have. Work. I must have ten of those little guys like you that like that umbrella. Yeah, they just and don't I carry last. Them. I have one in the car. I, I carry them a lot. Of, I, I throw them in the suitcase. They're great to travel with. Obviously, I can't throw the one I, w- I was carrying on Friday in the suitcase. The thing is, so anyway, the story behind this umbrella: we gave a part, a New Year's Eve party or some party some time ago at the house, and it was going to rain, and so we went to Costco. And they had on sale for night twenty but these things were expensive, twenty dollars a piece. These golfing umbrellas right. that for for golfers uh, to play, I guess, in the rain. Uh, the thing is huge. It's a <laughs> it's one of the biggest umbrellas I've ever owned, and it's built to you know strongly built too. And it's it red. To no, I was acting. You know, see, you got that wrong. It's green. What? <laughs> You're Curious, kidding yeah, me. Yeah, curiously, I have a red one, but that one that I had that day is green. I haven't seen the red one for over a year. You know, I am one of those people that um, ever since they did the the dots test on me, and I guess it must have been fifth or sixth grade. I can't remember exactly why. You know, the where you're, where you're supposed to be able to see the uh, the the numbers. 
Yeah. And I, I usually get like the first one right, the second one right. And after that, I'm just like, I'm sorry, I can't see it. It's all dots. And they claim that I am colorblind. And I, this is the first time in ever. I mean, maybe, maybe I, I could have sworn it was red, John. But anyway, I'm <laughs> colorblind for red and green, they say. And, you know, I know the top yeah. one is stop and the bottom one is go. But, well, uh, I mean, it's possible because that thing is green, but okay. not red. But it's funny that you would make that mistake. But I think you were more impressed with the size because the thing actually, you could put about five people under that umbrella. Oh, absolutely. And we should send that to, you know, refugee camps. <laughs> so anyway, so I brought that umbrella, but it, it is a huge umbrella. But you know, the thing is, in a big storm like that, it's actually quite handy to have a monster umbrella uh, because it really, you just don't, you know, normally with my regular umbrellas in a storm like that, my legs would be soaked because the rain just kind of, you know, gets through. But with that umbrella, you come dry as a bone. And also it looked like it was, it was sturdy. So, you know, of course, mine... Um, there was some reasonable wind, and you know now one or two of the spokes are sticking through because it does wreck the umbrellas, the cheaper ones. And the, you know, I yeah. have to say, I was once given a, a beautiful umbrella set for the home, uh, six umbrellas and a nice uh, cast iron stand. You know, we could put it in, and the water drains in. It is, it really is a gift that keeps on giving, and and we should think more about that as a as a general gift for people. It is a good idea. Yeah, umbrellas but these are giant great. umbrellas are also kind of handy. But anyway. <laughs> oh, anyway, so that's my umbrella. So I do have one. I don't usually bring it out. I just happen to have it in the car and and it's it is a it's huge. Mm. But, you know, I think everybody everyone who saw it said the same thing as holy crap. Look at the girth that of that thing. <laughs> I have to go up and down a lot with it because if somebody's coming the other way with any size umbrella, I have to like make a, you know, allowances for them not banging into them. Uh. <laughs> Okay. Well, anyway, so we're we're going to talk about neoliberalism. I looked it up. Uh, even though it's supposed to be no agenda, I did I did uh, I did look up uh, the definition of neoliberalism, and I guess it's um, it's a set of economic principles. Well, it, you know, I, it's vague to me, but I can. All I know is every once in a while it comes up in the conversation. Although nobody would ever say that they're a neoliberal, uh, but neoliberalists. Uh, but, but I can give you examples of people who are neoliberals. Okay. Based on what everybody agrees on, that, that to try to define this word, and I think the definition is essentially somebody who is. Uh, a globalist uh, into globalization of all sorts, uh, and and they're internationalists, I guess a lot of them, right? Uh, which is a different type of globalist. Um, the internationalists seem to me to have stemmed from a movement to to prevent future wars uh, by having a, a a one world government. But anyway, neo the classic neoliberals are Ronald Reagan and Bill Clinton. Wait a minute. So what's the difference between a neoliberal and a neocon? Wasn't wasn't Reagan it wasn't Reagan a neocon like the like the archetype neocon? Uh well he was uh, surrounded by him and he was he was kind of one but you can be a neoliberal and a neocon. You can be a neoliberal and a normal liberal. Ah. Uh you can be pretty much uh a neoliberal in anything else except um an old-fashioned conservative and a socialist. Those don't m- mix with neoliberalism at all. Uh, as much as it pains me, I'll read you the definition from Wikipedia. 
Yeah, that definition is not a good one, by the way. Then I'm not going to read the definition from Wikipedia. Uh, I found another one. Uh, what is it? What is neoliberalism? Here we go. Corpwatch.com. Gee, I, I bet you that's going to be good. <laughs> neoliberalism is a set of economic policies that have become widespread during the last 25 years or so. Although the word is rarely heard in the United States, you can clearly see the effect of neoliberalism here as the rich grow richer and the poor grow poorer. Hmm. Okay, that doesn't really help me. That's not much of a definition, is it? doesn't really help me, does it? No. Uh, Neoliberalism refers to a political movement that espouses economic liberalism as a means of promoting economic development and securing political liberty. Yeah, that, that's, that's that is closer to part of the definition. Now, I would say that the uh, the precepts that you read about in the uh, Confessions of an Economic Hitman uh-huh. uh, are all neoliberal. Okay. And I think that's kind of what's going on there. But anyway, so, so yeah, anyways, glo- globalization, it's a, it's a, right? It's a kind of a globalization angle on things. Now, uh, people should look into this term because it's an interesting one. Uh, it doesn't get used a lot in the United States, except by the progressives. If you watch a bunch of, uh, you know, some of these free speech TV has a lot of this stuff on it, which is a network that is uh, on the Dish Network. I think I think Directv may have it. Some cable places may have it. It's FS TV. It's uh, generally uh, flaky, but mm-hmm. they have a lot. Every once in a while, they'll have some shows on there that will be uh, done by some radical socialists. Uh, and they're the ones who keep bringing it up. And that's kind of where I picked up on it because I, besides being a fan of right-wing talk radio, I'm also a big fan of left-wing crackpot TV. Do <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, you watch current TV at all? Because uh, we have that I, over here. We don't have the FS TV. We do have current TV on, uh, on yeah, Sky. Yeah, no, I haven't seen that as a network here. We have the, the, the offbeat networks are, that are my favorites. One is a, f, a free speech TV. Uh, which also, by the way, has a, uh, a segment called the called Gay News. Excellent. And the Gay News is interesting because one of the things that they that they bring out is that they out people left. left no way. No way. Yeah. And they're always and it's kind of interesting to say, well, you know, and uh, when's he going to come out and admit, you know, and, and you're listening to him, you saying you go to your, you say to yourself, wow, I didn't know that guy was gay. <laughs> oh man. And uh, so it's it's re- it's actually very educational in that regard. But what's funny <laughs> about it, and I never I haven't brought this up to uh, to Tom Merritt and Molly Wood. From uh, CNET, Buzz Out Loud? Yeah, their Buzz Out Loud show, which they do occasionally on the video, because I saw them doing it at CES, you look at it, and it looks <laughs> it looks exactly like... Like, like gay, gay TV? Like gay news. Yeah, I'll tell you, I'll tell you, you know, um, I, I, I mean, started this... There's a guy, wait, wait, let me just show you, there's sure. one guy, I can't remember his name, but he's like a kind of a grumpy older male and then there's this woman with the short cropped hair who's who's actually quite, quite humorous and funny and it's just, it just seems that you when you see this show and you, then you see the buzz out loud you just say huh I wonder where they got the idea for that model you know <laughs> well I started listening to buzz I'm, I've never really you know read much of CNET or um, here he is gay TV channel gay TV it's gay, gay news look for gay oh, news oh gay news gay news uh, I started listening to Buzz Out Loud probably a hundred episodes or so ago, and and kind of got into it, you know, because um, going into uh, going into the city, 
uh, into London, it's almost the perfect length to go from my house to the station, you know, waiting for the train. You know, it's like, I don't know, it's like 40 or 45 minutes. So it, perfect, right? And I'd never seen Tom or Molly. And when I saw them, I guess they were at CES or I, I, I've, you know, in the last month or so, I've, I've seen them around. It was kind of a bummer. Because you get the, you know, you get, I don't mean in, the, in a bad way, but you get that image, you know, and, and I, had a, I had a very different image of Molly for sure. And of, of Tom as well. And then you see them, it's like, oh, yeah, well, they're kind of geeky. <laughs> Just wasn't well, quite what I, I expected. Know, I, I, yeah, I didn't get to experience. I know what you're saying. I, in fact, that experience is always good for a laugh, you know, when you preconceive. But the problem is I've known the two of them long before I ever heard Buzz out loud, so I couldn't get that effect. Right. But that happened to me recently with something I was listening to that I never saw the person. Then when I finally saw him, I, he said, wow, it's nothing. There's not even, a, not even close. Actually, the famous, uh, who I think is one of the great broadcasters in the United States, Jim Rome, mm. uh, who I used to listen to on the radio all the time. And the first time I saw him on TV was like, wow, this guy doesn't look anything like he sounds. But but over time, when you see the person and then you see hear the voice, at some point they meld and you and you that that shock of the difference it, it fades completely. it fades away and yeah, dissipates after a while. Mm. Now I got a call or a note from somebody that's, that's kind of interesting because when you bring up the idea that you have uh, you you make the commute into London and it's just enough to listen to buzz out loud. I got a note from someone who who went on and on about how he what podcast he listened to, and he does the same thing. And he can't listen to cranky geeks, apparently, because it's too it's long. all timing. And I wonder how many people you know they just essentially they they put together a bunch of their own radio programming, and then it's all based on timing. And it, unless you can bump somebody off of their iPod, right? You can never you, they'll never listen to you. Well, this was a. Uh this was part of the original concept uh, behind the pod show channels where you could basically, you know, and, and you, we still kind of have to teach people and to the benefits of it, but where, where you should, you could either a manually put together, you know, like two or three shows. So, and actually I have an on the go channel, which consists of New York times front page, uh, your show tech five, and then buzz out loud. And so those three combined, you know, pretty much gives me the information I want on the way in and it's the right length. And, uh, we've been, toying around with the idea of you should be able to say all right how long is you know like a like a wizard you know how long is your commute okay 45 minutes what are you interested in you know give me some tech give me some sports give me some uh give me some music or whatever and then it should just kind of like automatically create something for you because it does it's true i got a note from someone the other day who said i love the no agenda but when you do an hour, it sucks. You know, could you break it into two parts, or you know, which of course we're not going to do. Uh, ever hear of pause and stop and rewind and you know play? Um, but it, it makes a difference. Uh, the length of the show really makes uh, it. It determines if someone is going to uh, listen to it on a regular basis or not, just based upon their commute. It's pretty. Uh, it's pretty interesting. Yeah, it's really it's not been it hasn't been studied uh, to any extent by any sociologists or by market researchers for that matter. God forbid. But the f- I know that the five minute shows like no like um, uh, Tech Five. Yeah. Are uh, uh, you can always those you can those get slipped in here and there because you know five minutes you can always kind of force into a, you can sh- you can just shoehorn them yeah. into somebody's list. Yeah. It's but, a it's yeah, a damn they, fine show, Mister Dvorak. <laughs> it really is. I like it. Yeah, I got it. 
And doing well, I might add. Holy crap, I saw the numbers the other day. Yeah, just getting there. You're on the you're uh, on path like a million a month or something. It's crazy. Uh, yeah, it's not bad. No. Anyway, I'm always thinking big numbers, so I uh-huh. keep, you know this. Uh-huh. I guess a hundred million, then I'm there. You and me both, um, baby. It's worldwide audience. I mean, we should have like you know, there's like people in China should be listening who can understand English should be listening to this show. There was um, an article in uh, what was it? I'm going to say Financial Times again, of course. Uh, talking about the U.S. Information Agency, and you know these are the guys who um, uh, will set up, uh, you know, like the Voice of America and Radio Swan, all these propaganda stations you know, wherever uh, U.S. propaganda is uh, is necessary, quote necessary. Uh, and during the um, during the Gulf War, they set one up. They at one point they had an airplane with all these transmitters, like a, a C-130 that would fly around and just jam all the frequencies. And now Rumsfeld uh, was quoted in this article saying, you know, we need to do this again, and we need to, but we need to expand, and we need to uh, do uh, things on the Internet, and we have to have blogs that are disseminating information. Like, wow, good luck. Well, that brings up an interesting point. How would you jam... Uh, I mean, you could have ISPs do it. I guess, for example, that our show would stream to somebody's player on their computer, perhaps, and you could jam that or just screw it up. But you couldn't jam the downloads, which is where most people are, how most people are doing this. It's an interesting, actually, it would be interesting to figure out and start a company. Not that I'd want to do this because I think it's a negative thing, but I'm just thinking in terms of the possibilities here. Uh, a, a company that can jam broadcasts or over on, the on the net. So basically, like you. You suck up whatever stream is coming out, and you you poop something different out on the other end. That would be good. Hmm. Hmm. Or yeah, perhaps. Oh, dude. Idea. Speaking of, uh, I promised you I'd tell you uh, my story again. Of, yes, your uh, entry into the United States story, <laughs> a new entry story. So I have a story, and I have, a, and I've thought up a hack. Uh, so first, the story. Uh, this is when I arrived at uh, San Francisco uh, International Airport, which, by the way, um, there is a big difference between um, SFO arrival and Liberty Airport in Newark, uh, <clears throat> because that they actually have a secondary screening room. Um, you know, that's a whole process there. They they uh, hand yeah. hand walk you at, uh, at Newark. They hand walk you over to the to the secondary screening room. So you know, it's and at San Francisco. You know, you get your, you go through customs. Uh, the guy. So what happened, of course, is you know, uh, actually, <laughs> the guy took my custom form. The guy, the uh, customs border uh, patrol agency officer, uh, took my form. He immediately put the like the single stripe on it because you know he looked at me and it's like he just put the stripe on it. You know, which means you're okay to pass that one. It looks like a one, but it's just kind of like a like a, a big a vertical dash. And um, and then he scanned my passport. And he and you know and I, I of course recognized the look. And he said, "Hey, aren't you uh, that guy from MTV?" I said, <laughs> "I said, yeah." And he said, uh, "Oh, cool. What you do?" You know, and he just like made like a minute of, of chit chat, and then wrote an M <laughs> next to the stripe that was already on my car. He said, and I said, oh, uh, even MTV guys still on the list." And he said, "Yeah, well, well, he just didn't really say anything." So then you go, um, you, know, you walk 
basically around the corner. Uh, you pick up your suitcase, and then you have to uh, hand off your card uh, to the officer, and then you're either out the door or you go straight ahead into uh, one of the lines where they, uh, where they open up your suitcase and talk to you. And so, yeah, I, I took a little different approach this time, and I went up to the uh, officer, you know, really smiley, standing tall. I, you know, I, I was really uh, in a very positive mode and handed it to him, and uh, I said, oh, I think this one's uh, for the blue envelope, because they have a little blue clear plastic uh, pouch that they then put that into, and said, yeah, yeah, because this guy recognized me too. I could see it in his eyes. And I said, oh, yeah, come over here. And he walked me up to the desk, and it, it was one of those weird situations where you could see that he was trying to communicate something to the officers behind the desk uh, basically yeah i heard him say don't you know who this is <laughs> and, uh, and there was like you know there was like a moment of them kind of looking at each other and uh, and then you know they went into the computer and i said yeah you know this is uh, another random test i guess it's the fifth t- no sixth time in uh, in as many vin- visits and the guy said, wow, you're still on the list? I said, yeah. I said, can you take me off? He said, no, but I can give you the, oh, the Freedom of Information Act uh, request form? No, thanks. I already got one of those. And, uh, and then he waved me through. He said, all right, man, sorry about that. I, I can't help it. And he let me go right through. Now, here's the hack that I've thought of. These custom forms... Basically, they hand them out in the airplane. You fill it in. You put in, you know, the first your your name, your um, your passport, your flight number, what other countries you visited, and then you have the ten questions, of which the first one is yes, is this business, and then all the rest, of course, you want to answer no. Uh, you know, are you a terrorist? Uh, are you carrying more than ten thousand dollars? You know, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, but you can take as many of these as you want. And what if, what if I took a couple of them, or just two, and filled them both out, except on one I put a stripe and put that in my pocket, and then hand the, the other one to the, to the customs officer, who then, of course, will put an M on it. I put that one in my pocket, switch it out for the one with the stripe, and then just walk right through. Is there anything? I mean, they'd never know. It's a complete easy hack. Well, except for the cameras. Um, Dude, ne- cameras, please. They'd never see me do that. They'd never, they'd never no, they notice it. Do. Well, why don't you give it a shot? <laughs> hey, John, it's Adam. I'm in Gitmo, man. Come on, you got to get me. <laughs> get me out of Gitmo. I might try it. I, I, I'm really thinking I'm going to try it. And I took a, a flight out from San Francisco um, to my undisclosed location. And... Uh, um, I was kind of in a foul mood, and I, and and I, you know, before you go in to uh, uh, in, into the security area, there's a guy there who you know is supposed to like. To check, I think all he has to do is check and see if your name is the on the boarding card is the same name as in your passport because it's international travel. And I could just see this guy. You know, he was like totally uninterested, complete jerk off. And and I and I, and I shined him basically, like, eh, you know, like, you know, I'm not I'm not going to say how you doing, sir, or any of that shit. And he and and I could see that he was picking up on that vibe. And he wrote down um, secondary screening, which is SS, you know, uh, right? Hmm, interesting that that's SS, isn't it? So he wrote down SS on my boarding card, 
And I put the boarding card in my back pocket because, you know, usually uh, what most people do, like sheep, you go through the uh, metal detector and then you're, you, know, you show your boarding card to the, uh, to the officer. And if it has the SS on it, then, you know, you have to go for a secondary screening. I just didn't show it to him. <laughs> I kept walking right on through. Not a problem. Uh, that's interesting. No, it's, it pisses me you, off. You get a real, it if you pisses get a real me stickler, off. I'm sorry, it depends. You know, it's not all the airports require that you walk through and have to show your boarding pass twice. Uh, I think that's like spotty. I see it here, I see it there, but I don't I see it I think international, it's pretty much standard. That uh, could be. But anyway, whatever the case is, they uh, usually ask to see it, at least I, because I usually pocket it somewhere too mm-hmm. and I had to pull it out um, I think it's ridiculously redundant I mean they, one guy just saw it was another guy have to see it well I don't want to I never had the but maybe I never thought it was for the SS thing yeah well if well, you so, um, so you, you, you you wait a minute you came to this guy and you grumped you, you were like a grump and you wouldn't say hi and so he put SS yeah. on because he thought yeah yeah, yeah. absolutely well, you, don't you think that's like a bad policy well the whole thing is full of shit this is my point no, I mean you, your policy well, excuse me. Why do I have to be happy-go-lucky to some dickhead <laughs> who all his only job is to check and see if the name matches on the boarding pass matches? You know what's on the uh, what's on the passport. I just didn't feel like it. You know, screw that. I'm sick and tired of this shit. It's ineffective. If it actually worked and if they were consistent, yeah, okay, then I could say it was like you know security. But look at look at how sh- how flimsy it is. Yeah, no, I know it's it's not very good. It's dumb. It's mostly a sham. It's dumb, completely dumb. And you've got, and and I, but I, I also shined off the uh, the clear people because it's you know right next to the uh, to the entrance. You have that clear line where if you have the, right. uh, the if you're registered and the government follows you, then you apparently or supposedly can go through the line faster. Those people are now trying to sell you to join up to the program. Like, uh, sir, if if you uh, sign up for this program, then uh, you can uh, you can get through security a lot faster. And I think I said something like, "Yeah, right. I'm gonna I'm gonna sign up to your program." I don't think so, and kept walking <laughs> like a big hero. I didn't. I thought, didn't know they were allowed to do that. That's shilling for the you know. You they know, are. Uh, bar, it's like a barker. Yeah, they are. I want to have you come with scantily clad women while they're at it. Then I would sign up for sure. Mm. Okay, you know I would. Better. Are you drinking tea? Do I hear a, a sip of tea there, Dvorak? I'm uh, drinking. By the way, I've switched over completely for people out there who want to know about our tea chats mm-hmm. uh, to the special blend PG tips. Mm. Which one is that? It's called well, special it, blend? Uh, it's called special blend. It's, a, it's uh, in a gold box. It had They uh, had a special uh, blend that they did for their anniversary a few years ago, and then they decided to release it as a regular product and it's just slightly smoother than the regular pg tips and it doesn't it has a just it's just a little different and it's about 50 cents more a box of 80 Mm. so uh uh that's what i'm drinking happy to hear it (laughs) it's good for you yeah, well, those antioxidants. So anyway, uh, okay, well, I wanted to hear that. By the way, I ran. In, I was at the uh, uh, Macworld Expo, and I ran into uh, one of the guys who's uh, the PR guy for uh, Verbatim. What's that? And I did, What's I Verbatim? Not to do, want to bring a bunch of technical stuff. Into oh, the show, wait a minute. Verbatim. That, don't tell me that's the, that's the company that does those double links, and then you mouse over it, and it pops up advertising. Is that Verbatim? 
No, the company that makes blank uh, CD-ROMs. Okay, that would be something completely different. Yeah, I know what you're talking about. There's a bunch of companies that do that, by the way. Contura, and there's a few other ones. And those are the most annoying thing on the Internet. Uh, I actually had it on my blog for a while. I had Contouras, and I, I think I got like $100 a month or something for these annoyances, and I just dropped it because I know people who didn't like it. I didn't like it. So Sean, Sean Finnegan, who is uh, or was or maybe still is the, uh, the CEO of OMD Digital. That's uh, Omnicom's digital advertising agency. He was just he was promoted like I think six or seven months ago to uh, to CEO, and, and this is a this is a, a really big ad agency. I mean, they do a hell of a lot of media buying. He recently just left to go to one of those companies. I was mm. astounded. You know, it's like man, it's like I I hate it. I really hate it. You know, popping up windows, fucking ads. On, yeah, on, I know. I, I find it disturbing. Very. But anyway, so verbatim, uh, I, I just thought I'd mention this to people out there who are you know need to do know this. So they, so I'm looking at their different kinds of you know recordable media, and they have a a, a gold uh, a disc with gold in it, and it's a uh, it's an arc specifically for 100 years of archiving. If you have a, a you know a CD or a DVD that you want to you know not a DVD but if you have a lot of files that you really want to protect for a hundred years, uh, they have an archivable, burnable disc. Costs about a dollar, but which is expensive. So what, what, so it won't disintegrate. Is that the deal? Yeah, it's got gold in it or something. I don't know how it even if it's a different formulation of whatever they do in there. But I just thought it was interesting. So have, have, have you ever things. actually uh, reached for an archive DVD or CD and only to discover that it had been laying around too long and didn't work anymore? Have you actually ever had that happen to you? A couple of times. Really? Ah. Yeah, because I was. You have to remember, I got into the seed, the burnables when they were one X, and you had to <laughs> buy these, you know, these scuzzy drives to even burn this. So we're ah, talking about scuzzy, yeah. Old scuzzy drives, and so they, we're talking about some of the original discs that were made, and. Um, and I have a few of them that were ran off of an OS2 machine that were that essentially some of the sectors are gone. And I luckily, if you use the, one of the drives, I mean, a really good quality reader or drive is uh, made by Plexstore. Uh, one time I was talking to some company that analyzed uh, discs for. Um, for some, for you know, as a consultant, so it was consultancy, mm -hmm. and the guy says he wouldn't go on the record, but he says if you want to get a, a burner that does, you know, that is outstanding, you get a Plex store. So mm. I've always only used Plex stores ever since. So I have this one drive that's really a classic. That's one of their best that they've ever made, and I could get the data off of the CD-ROM from that one drive only no other drive and I had maybe five of them that I checked could read this disc it was it was over the hill and it was probably 20 years old mm. and uh I save the data and then burn it to another new disc so yes these discs do not last forever interesting I've never had it ha I, you know I, I used to do a lot of archiving and uh, at one point, I was like, you know, I actually never, ever go back and try and find anything, ever. And the stuff that's worth it is probably posted online somewhere anyway. So I'd, oh, I'm always hoping that, you know, Google or Apple doesn't go out of business. So <laughs> my shit will still be on their servers. Well, the Apple and Google won't go out of business, but I, you know, I just think people should be aware of the fact that these discs do fail, and it's, and I have more than a couple. That's not only the one example. I probably maybe three or four discs I've found over time that are old, 
and they're just not hanging in there. It's just mm. like uh, they're they're dying. Vibrant media. That's what it is. No, that's the one, that's what Finnegan went to. Yeah. So uh, here in the states, by the way, I don't know if you noticed because you took off, but uh, Obama won the South Carolina uh, primary, and everything that I predicted years ago are, is starting to fall into place, except for the Giuliani aspect. Okay. Which is that the, the Democratic ticket will be Hillary and Obama's VP, which is totally unelectable ticket. And then it will be McCain. And then I originally thought it would be Giuliani, but now I'm leaning toward Romney. But I, you know, I'm not taking money on that. Ron Paul has uh, come in. How, what did, how, did, how did he do in South Carolina, actually? Ron, I don't know. Uh, it's, he's, over, he's not going to get anywhere. Don't say those things, John. I'm just telling you. He just, came in. Well, you know, there's been all, all kinds fixed. of voter. There's all yeah, but it, it sure is. Um, you know, there was voter fraud in. Uh, hmm, I'm trying to think which primary that was. Well, just throw a dart at the at a map, and you'll find the you'll uh, find the it. answer. Yeah, uh, he came in second somewhere. Huh. Yeah, and of course he got not even mentioned in any of the press in any article anywhere. That he came not. in second. <laughs> it's, it's, uh, this process is so fucking stupid. Hey, they're going for a $5 million boost. They've got a new campaign. Going for the gold. Oh, cool. <laughs> On ronpaul2008.com. February 5th, they're going for $5 million. They'll get it, too. They'll get it. Well, good. But anyway, the, uh, the plan is... Everything is going according to plan, the way I see it. Well... We've written it down. We've documented it, and uh, I think you're right. I, I, there's something weird with Giuliani. I'm not, he must have pissed someone off or something. Well, you know, I think the, the problem with Giuliani, if you, you know, he had a bunch of these. Uh, and I thought he was the shoe in for a while, but and, and you know, now he's just doing occasional primaries. But if you followed it from from like about six months ago, and he had all these different campaign managers from here and there that were all mobbed up. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Uh, it just seems like, you know, there's something, uh, there's something screwy about him, uh, and his connections. And I think that the party, uh, is concerned about it to such an extreme that I don't think he has a, a shot at anything, including the vice presidency. They kind of pushed him out a little bit, huh? Well, I mean, it's just not, you know, they don't need this kind of aggravation. They have to have a clean ticket, you know, so you have like, you know, that's why I think it'd be interesting to have McCain and Romney because they're, they're not going to find anything bad about McCain. He's a war hero. He was in a concentration camp. I mean, you know, he might have some, he might be too liberal for some of these guys. And Romney's squeaky clean. So, I mean, you got you got nothing. Meanwhile, the other two, whoever they are, which will be Hillary and someone, yeah. uh, they're, you know, they'll have find all kinds of dirt on them. So, uh... Who's Huckabee is still doing very well for the Republicans. I'm pretty, I'm pretty amazed by that. <laughs> yeah, he's. So I watched. You know, the, one of the things that I always advise people to do to get a kind of a feeling for how these things are going to go is to watch these guys on the, the the two major U.S. talk shows, which is Letterman and Leno, ah. and they all show up. And I saw. So for the first time, I've seen Huckabee before, and I said this: I, if any, if there was going to be an open mic stand up comedy competition Huckabee would kill he's, <laughs> he's extremely he's funny. quick yeah. he's very quick witted and he's very funny and he's got a great presence he's got a you know so I was I was shocked actually and, 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 know, and every minister. American always loves uh, you know a guy who can pick up a bass guitar and jam with the band you know that's, a, that's always a plus you know, <laughs> no, that's, that's uh, it. it did well yeah, for Clinton 
Yeah, gimmick doesn't do anything for me. Uh, but anyway, so Romney was on the Leno show recently, and I thought he was, you know, reminding me a little bit of uh, of uh, of Dean. Uh, it was a Howard Dean. Um, when he first came out, you know, Howard Dean was, you know, a couple elections ago or election ago, I guess. Uh, he was the front runner out of the blue because he had all this Internet stuff going on. He had uh, Joe Trippy doing his uh, all his Internet, his internet stuff. Yeah. The guy was just kicking butt mm-hmm. until he showed up on television. And then, of course, he killed himself with his with his screaming. But when he showed up on the on the Leno show. And it was the first time anyone, I think, really saw him nationally. He comes out like a goofball. He has a tie, I swear to God, that was down to his knees. I mean, all that was missing was a, was a big red nose that lit up. <laughs> and so so he sits down, and he's got this tie that's hanging down. It's damn near hitting the ground. And he's, like, acting like a, like a, like a goof. And I said, this guy is done. And anyway, he just didn't have it. When I saw Romney, I had a little bit of that impression. I didn't, although he was wearing like an expensive, probably Armani suit, and a little, little slicker. Oh, the guy's and he mega rich. Tied so that his me. ankles. Yeah, but he didn't have the presidential kind of style. He was like goofy and uh, trying to be funny, and he wasn't. And I thought he was. I thought he sucked. I, I think he he basically has has no chance. I mean, he I, I would say he even has less of a chance than than Ron Paul. By the way, there's only five five left if you think about it in uh, uh, in the primary on the Republican side: Giuliani, Romney, uh, Huckabee, uh, McCain, and and Paul. Yeah. And I might mention that McCain's been doing these uh, shows, the Letterman and Leno, and then he does John Stewart, mm. which is unusual. Uh, and they, I think the two of them have become buddies uh, to the point where he's very slick on TV. He, he's a, he doesn't get, you know, he's he's got a good sense of humor. He's not as nearly as funny as Huckabee, but he's not he's not humorless and he's not goofy. Uh, he's uh, I mean, it's just obvious to me. No, I mean, he's a I, smart I, guy. Go to Vegas smart right guy. now, people, and put your money down, and it's an easy win. Well, I still hold hope, not just for Ron Paul, but for America and the world at large, John. I really do. You know, the thing that I, the Huckabee, you know, Huckabee had this thing about it, uh, dropping the income tax system and going to a 100% consumption tax, which I never liked because that's like a VAT, VAT tax that they have in Europe that's always worked people and it's very, you know, hard on everybody. But he made this interesting point that I thought was valid and, I, and I, of course, this means it'll never happen, which is that a consumption tax, where in other words, you shift the burden onto actually what you purchase, what you buy, yeah. uh, encourages saving, which may or may not be a good thing, but it also taxes finally the gray market. You know, people who uh, who don't pay taxes, drug dealers who make you know, there's billions of dollars in drug sales, and those guys never pay taxes, but they would pay taxes when they you know when they go but out and buy. Why, why do you say that it's a burden and people don't like it? I mean, I've lived in uh, in three countries with uh, value added tax in the Netherlands in uh, Belgium, which is actually 21% uh, VAT. Which is what he's proposing for here, by the way. And, you know, I, I don't, I, I'm kind of for it. I think it's a pretty good idea. Uh, well, I, I could be wrong because I haven't done a survey, but all I remember is that when it first cropped up years ago, and I believe it was in the 70s when it really started showing up all over the place, uh, all I heard was people complaining about it. Mm, no, I mean, 
my experiences with it is there's like three parts. One is if you, um, it's it's listed separately the VAT, so not like in the U.S. where um, it, it, I'm sorry, it's it's in the price, but uh, on an invoice they'll list it separately. And if you're a business, you get to deduct the VAT. It's purely a consumer a consumer tax. Uh, right. Of course, what that uh, what that leads to is there a huge black market, particularly in the services industry. So having cash money really saves you a lot of money because you get guys to do some work on the house or you know something else. And there's always this trade off. Like I'll tell you what, uh, I'll give you uh, an invoice and we'll do a uh, hundred uh, hundred euros, and then you give me twenty five on the side, so you don't have to pay any VAT over that. So that, you know it, it does. Uh, create a whole black market that uh, that can kind of spiral out of control. Well, you know that black black market exists here without the VAT, because technically, if you're going to be hiring a lot of people to do work for you, uh, you know you have to fill out a bunch of income tax forms for them. You got to do a lot of paperwork. It's a it's a nightmare, and people prefer just to pay the cash and under the table. So I don't see that that'd be a difference there. Hmm. In fact, we had these. If you remember, over the, like it was, it was like most scandalous over the uh, some. I guess during the Reagan administration, every time they tried to get a Supreme Court justice or somebody elected uh, to some office where it was an appointment, and they had to go through the Senate, they'd always uncover the fact that this person had an illegal employee. <laughs> and I mean, without question, almost with no exceptions, it was one after another. And I, my experience was because I had uh, employees that I had actually done the paperwork for, and it was painful. It was ridiculous. And then when you when you got rid of them and you had no employees, they would still start sending you bills. And at one point, we got one for not for not filing, even though this guy hasn't worked for us for two years, but we didn't file that he wasn't, you know, we filed once or twice that he didn't work for us, but apparently you have to keep filing forever. Yeah. And so we got dinged for 1200 bucks. and I talked to the attorney about it. He said, no, I just pay it because you're never going to, you know, there's just a nightmare. Yeah. And, and so, anything under and so fi- now I realize that's why people were doing this left and right because it was too much work to too go much the other hassle. way, the honest way. Yeah. And in general, anything under five grand, it's wor- it's it's easier and, and, the, and cheaper to just pay it instead of getting attorneys involved because attorneys is always, you start something up, it's always five grand always yeah it was yeah it's true so you'll like this uh and 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 i know i'm harping on it but uh ron paul sent out his four-point plan (laughs) for comprehensive economic revitalization and there were two things i thought were interesting uh one is instead of saying getting rid of the federal reserve which was kind of what he was saying throughout the entire campaign until he, he got the phone call. Yeah. <laughs> Until he got the tax bill. <clears throat> and now he's saying expand openness at the Federal Reserve and require the Fed to televise its meetings. I thought that was pretty interesting. Well, that's cool. Yeah. And then regulatory reform. And of course, I know you're going to like this. Repeal Sarbanes-Oxley regulations that push companies to seek capital outside of U.S. markets. Stop restricting community banks from fostering local economic growth as well. But the Sarbanes-Oxley, I thought, uh, you know, that's the only candidate that has actually written that as a part of uh, his plan. Yeah. You know, if you go, if anybody out there wants to go read my column, it's in Market Watch. It was written about six months ago or a year ago, maybe. I don't know. Uh, And the name of it is called repeal Sarbanes-Oxley and it talks about some of these issues Sarbanes-Oxley is ruining the high tech scene which is what we're involved in well it's ruining uh, it's ruining America as a financial center of the universe it's now become London because of uh, because of this these rules 
Right. And then the joke of it is, what the, what were the, what's the point of the rules? The, the, when they, and the Bush administration is to blame, by the way. The, what was the point of the rules? The rules were so you don't have, they said, so you don't have a situation like Enron and yeah. uh, MCI and whatever. And the fact of the matter is the old rules worked fine. The Enron guys were busted. Were crooks. They were fucking crooks. One guy's dead. <laughs> I mean, what's wrong with the old system? Yeah. I really don't know. It, it was. It, I think it was part because there was such a, a public outcry, and it did hurt a lot of people. What happened with Enron, and you know, just to say, well, the old system is good, and we caught him, and you know that you know California got raped over energy. They had to do something, but it, I think it was just too much of a knee jerk, uh, uh, of a knee jerk reaction. And what does it cost? It's like eight percent of uh, of a company's uh, four. Four percent—that's still a lot of money. Four percent of the bottom line is lost to Sarbanes-Oxley uh, reporting, and and it, and CEOs really don't want to be CEOs anymore because they're personally liable, and it's it's uh, it's tough. I do understand, you know, particularly people who basically hate corporations. <laughs> They'll hate me for saying, you know, for for saying this, but um, I agree. It should it should it should get out. It should be removed. It's lame. It's hurting our overall economy. And one of those two guys, Sarbanes or Oxley, I can't remember which one, was so deeply involved with some of the most corrupt of the... Uh, it's actually guys' names? Sarbane and Oxley? You're kidding me. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. They, well, who are these guys? They're, they're, <laughs> they, name, they name it after they're, themselves? They were in Congress. That's why you do a lot of these bills. Well, you know, these, a lot of these bills get named after, you know, it's like the, uh, what was that? What's the McCain Feingold uh, bill? I mean, there's there, a lot of these bills get named after the two uh, people that put them together. Really? Um, there's, you know, it's not unusual. Hmm. Yeah, but that, that that just happens. To, I know, but what else would it mean? Sarbanes Oxley. I, mean, I don't know. Like some uh, I don't, towns in in the out out near Oxford, uh, in England. <laughs> That's what I thought. It was like you know, kind of like the the Luxembourg Treaty. I'm like Sarbanes Oxley. It's, it's probably some place you know in Romania or whatever where they put this together. I don't know. <laughs> in northern Iowa, <laughs> Sarbanes Oxley, Iowa. <laughs> oh, beautiful. Okay, you got anything else, John? No, I'm done. Yeah, I did. I did want to say, I really enjoy doing this. I really like just yakking with you, and you know, and and for for people who are listening, this is exactly the same conversation we have on the phone. We probably could, on a weekly basis, we could do five hours between four and five hours of uh, of this type of show because we have conversations like this all the time, and I really enjoy it. Yeah, no, it's a lot of fun, and not only that, but you can get you get to to uh, kind of. Uh, it's uh, what I like about it is having a good. Uh, it's even though you're technically an American, you're really a European with American sensibility, mm-hmm. and and you and you see things from a perspective, and I think people appreciate this. That's not. That's well, I wouldn't say it was abnormal, but it's uh, <laughs> off off color. It's, it's, well, besides the, uh, but the it's it's but it's it's unusual. Let's put it that way. It's it's slightly skewed, and I think. Um, well, uh, and 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 that's be, that's because uh, you know, I think most Americans don't get the uh, the types of input and information flowing to them that you know, that you get in a different country. In fact, I was listening to um, the podcast version of In Business. Peter Day works for the BBC. I love- right. In fact, I, curiously, I was just listening to the one he did on... Naley Smith-Cruz? Uh, you. 
Yeah, with no. uh, with Nelly Smith Cruz, who uh, is a Dutch yeah. woman, uh, who, right. by the way, was in, her husband uh, and uh, vicariously herself were invo- involved in a huge scandal before she became the uh, the commissioner of uh, of competition or whatever it's called, uh, right. you know, like a huge scandal because he was the mayor of Rotterdam and there was all kinds of money that was it was you know big big problem, and she spent mm-hmm. a couple of years basically repairing her reputation. I think they uh, moved to New York. Uh, but I've always had a lot of respect for her. But just listening to that, um, it's called In Business, Peter Day from the BBC. Um, you know, th- there's a lot going on. And, and the premise of this was that the, um, uh, you know, the, the, the anti-competitiveness and, and uh, uh, anti, what do you call it, uh, cartel busting, etc. That kind of used to be America's job. And that is now, without a doubt, if you look at what's happened with Microsoft, uh, but in this uh, in this right. show, they were even talking about the paraffin wax industry. You know, now the EU is busting up these uh, these cartels, and there's hundreds of them. You have no idea. It's really, you know, they they went down a list. I'm like, crap. Yeah, candles are fucking expensive over here. <laughs> it's true. Candles are outrageously expensive, and I huh. it's uh, and it's uh, I guess through price fixing. Well, you know, I listened to that. It was one of our readers that sent us a link to that particular show because we had complained, or or at least one of my readers or one of our listeners. I'm not sure. I can't remember. Oh, I'm, I'm a subscriber because I've met Peter oh, okay. Day and I love the well, guy. Well, anyway, I got this. Somebody sent me the link because I had been moaning about. I guess maybe it was on Tech Five. I was moaning about how uh, why does the Europeans telling why why are they telling right. Americans what to do? Right. And uh, the and the point that she makes in this, by the way, and people should go listen to this because it's quite good. It's very uh, very educational and. Fe- and in fact, I'm going to probably write my next Market Watch column on this particular issue. But anyway, the uh, she says that the Americans, from the European perspective, led the way with antitrust regulations over the decades and have only recently just dropped the ball completely and they don't appear that they don't even care anymore. And so that's why they're doing this. You know, it's an interesting argument. I think there's some truth to it, but I still find it annoying that American companies are being – told what they can do in their own country in terms of uh, buyouts and uh, the like. Well, that's not, I don't think it, it, it works exactly that way. What I believe is happening, if you look at, uh, so the two big ones are um, Google and DoubleClick, and then there's uh, Microsoft, uh, you know, issues, of course, with, you know, it's still all about the uh, tying Win- uh, Explorer into Windows, etc. But all of these companies um, have you know sub- companies in in all these different countries? So it's about those uh, subsidiaries, I guess. Uh, that's that's what I think they're attacking. But when it comes to a merger, you know, obviously uh, uh, a blocking of a merger of the foreign entities is going to affect the U.S. the U.S. entity. I don't believe they actually have any uh, legislative power. I don't know. You know, that, that's the question that's kind of unanswered. If Google and DoubleClick, which are both American companies... Yeah, but wait, they have, but they have, but they have uh, local companies. You know, it's not like just an office that says Google Inc. It says Google BV, Google LTD, you know, Google Envy. You know, it's... Uh, yeah, but what are they going to do about it? I mean, that, the question in my mind is, what are they going to do about it? Kick the Google NV out of the Netherlands or kick Google LLC out of wherever? 
Yeah. I mean, what are they going to do about it? If they, if the companies say, and I have, nobody's done this. No one's had the nerve to do this. What if the Europeans say, no, you can't do that merger because it's anti-competitive, which it may or may not be. I'm not sure that it is, but let's say it is. But I don't think, I don't if, think that's the we, issue with those two. I think it's a, it's, well, it's a privacy Well, whatever the case is, what if the two companies, Google and, and DoubleClick, say, well, screw you. We're doing it anyway. What are you going to do about it? What are they going to do about it? You know, I've never met her, but you don't want to fuck with Naley Smith-Cruz, dude. <laughs> you do not want to mess with that woman. She is a hard nose. She seemed like a nice person. No, no, she's. <laughs> I'm sure she's a, a lovely woman, but uh, when it comes to business, oh, man. And part of that, of course, is the way the Dutch sometimes speak English, which I was kind of surprised how poor her English was. Um, yeah, well, it was it was good in terms of its uh, in terms of the knowledge of the words. Yeah. but she was a very she was the worst case example of you know, and, and Americans don't understand this generally. We've talked about it before on the show uh, that there's the intonation isn't there, and so you don't you can misread somebody because they don't have a clue about how to intone the way Americans do to for emphasis or for whatever. And also, instead of saying um, so to speak. She kept saying so to say, and that really bugged me. <laughs> so to say. So, uh, so to say. I'm like, so to speak, Naley, so to speak. Oh, uh, well. Yeah. Well, we'll talk about that more in the future. Well, we definitely should. I'm going to do a little bit of research on, uh, on how that works with how they would actually block something. I don't even know if it's the anti-competitive. When it comes to Google and DoubleClick, I thought that was privacy issues. I'm not quite sure if Naley's in charge of blocking that one. They certainly didn't talk about it on the show, or at least they didn't have it in the show if they did talk about it. So I that think may- she mentioned it. Somebody mentioned it. Yeah, I think Peter Day mentioned it just in like his edited-in uh, commentary or whatever. I don't think she talked yeah, about I mean, it. That guy's great. Have- that Peter. Have you ever met him? No. He um, when we just moved to the UK and uh, the word podcasting had uh, had it was like word of the year or whatever. Um, he came out to the house and interviewed me, and it was re- it was really interesting. He is the quintessential kind of like you know gray raincoat wearing, disheveled Nagra uh, carrying <laughs> Nagra. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know the, remember the old reel to reel Nagras? I oh, love yeah. those. Junkard uh, now. And uh, you know, and but but he he did have a uh, he had a mini disc recorder. Lo and behold, uh, you know, but he had a big old gray BBC microphone, and uh, he just came over to the house and you know, he sat in my my office uh, for a couple hours and just uh, he, you know, we just talked a bit. And man, that guy has interviewed everybody. He's been around the world. He's seen and been everywhere. Just I tried to hire him actually because uh, we we kept in touch a little bit after that, and. Um, there was a, they were going to offer early pensions at the time. This was a couple of years ago, something like that at the BBC, and they were, they were going to get rid of people, or they were going to um, shorten the retirement age. That's what it was. And he said, "Well, you know, I've got some choices to make." And I said, "Dude, uh, whatever the BBC is paying you, I'll pay you double to come and work for us." And he considered it for a little while, uh, huh. but obviously, he uh, he didn't choose. He's still at the BBC. He's still at the at auntie, yes, at the BBC. Okay. All anyway, right, so. Yeah, look at, but the one thing to look into before we, for a show in the future when we bring this topic up again is what are they going to do about it if an American, couple of American companies tell them to stuff it? That's a very good question. And... Uh, 
I guess uh, <laughs> I guess I'm out of steam. Remember now where we started a trend. Uh, there is a uh, uh, a show called Yo Agenda. And, yeah. and they're still keeping strong. Uh, and his whole agenda. Ho agenda. <laughs> I'm, I'm waiting for Bo agenda, Mo agenda. There's got to be a lot more coming out. I think Actually, we started Mo, a trend. Mo agenda sounds like a good name. Mo agenda. Oh, I'll have to register that one. But um, as we started off by talking about this, a lot of people are saying this is what I always thought podcasting was going to be and we've struck a chord man i'm not quite sure what it is I, I don't know if it's just the eavesdropping or if it's actually that we're interesting slash entertaining hopefully it's a combination but um yeah people are into it and they can and they continuously say they really like the format it's uh, of just you know like uh, just talking yeah, well, it's, it's a talk show. Essentially, this is not much different than what you hear on talk radio when you have uh, two people that you know aren't taking calls. Uh, although we take calls in some funny way, even though we never play them. Uh, because I can't figure out how to make it all work. Uh, yeah, well, you know, we don't need to. Uh, I don't know. It, it, uh, yeah, I, I like the emails. We're going to need these calls because I know one of these days we're going to, both of us, because of the cycles of the moon, we're going to hit one of these shows. Although the great thing about podcasting in this regard is that we don't have a, we don't, we can do a half hour show at 15 minutes, an hour, two hours. You know, we can, you know, it does, there's no agenda in terms of the length. Yeah. And uh, so, you know, if we run out of steam, we could just, you know, do 15 minutes and call it a day. And you but, cannot, you know, it, go ahead. No, I'm just saying that we, if we wanted to, we could pad it with these phone calls. I think people can always, I wonder how many people uh, listen to us on their iPod in double speed. Because you can huh. still kind of follow along. Yeah, you know, they have that for yeah. audiobooks. You can kind of listen along; it just goes faster. Yeah, it might I bet be you better. So, I bet you someone's out there is doing it. It might be better. <laughs> <laughs> so I can't play the uh, the feedback for you, but a whole bunch of people left uh, uh, left messages um, about the quote. You had a quote like that one. Oh, run- right, the Galactica quote. Yeah. Yeah, the quote. I still have it in this pad here somewhere. But this, people, this, they this, didn't say it was from, did they say Battlestar Galactica? Was that, was that where it was yeah, from? Yeah, it came from Battlestar Galactica. Yeah. I got two, two notes myself. It was the quote about, I'll never have a network computer That's on this it. ship. That's it. That's you know, something it. like that. And uh, I don't know why I'd write that down if it was from Battlestar Galactica, because I don't watch Battlestar Galactica. I saw it when they came up with the second version of it. Uh, actually, I should do this. I, I, you remind me, I'll do this. I wrote uh, when they f- came out with the second iteration of the show, the new one mm. with the you know the the blonde girl who keeps appearing magically. Uh, they did a, a kind of a movie or kind of a movie for TV or whatever, and I watched this because everyone wanted to check out the new Va- Battlestar Galactica, and a lot of people really liked the show. I watched it and wrote a scathing review. <laughs> of course of what you a did. Piece of crap! <laughs> of course I thought you it was. did. <laughs> and I sent it. Actually, I was so irked about it. And I sent it into uh, PC Magazine, you know, and they. <laughs> I think it was Lance Yulinoff or one of these editors says, wait, he says, you know, this is a funny review, but, you know, this has got nothing to do with anything. You know, go find something else to write about. Oh, man. Yeah, I know. They didn't print it. And so it's one of those things, and I just cranked something else out, and I put it aside, meaning to, like, you know, because I can repurpose most of my material that gets rejected, which is not that much, by the way, but occasionally it does. And And I'll just send it someplace else. And I put it aside and never got back to it, so now it's kind of old. But I may just reprise it in my uh, on the blog. Yeah, just or put it on the blog. Like yeah, absolutely. 
there's a bunch of stuff that that's sitting in the corner that uh, you know needs to be put up before it gets so old that it's you know ridiculous. Next to the notes you can't read and the D and the CDs that are uh, are blank don't work yeah. anymore. Anyway, okay, I'm done. All right, sorry, I didn't have a better punchline. I tried. Yeah. I would say. Uh, that that concludes this episode of uh, No Agenda. We'll be back probably in about a week's time uh, from uh, an undisclosed location in a fine hotel room. I'm Adam Curry. And I'm John C. Dvorak in Northern California. And we'll talk to you again next time on No Agenda.